So there are, there are some pretty famous Josephs in the Bible. Uh, there's Joseph, the son of Jacob, who despite being sold into to slavery by his brothers, remained faithful, acted with integrity, uh, rose to power in Egypt, and then made provision for his whole family uh, to move to the land of Egypt during a time of, of famine. Then there is Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, uh, humble, faithful, staying by Mary's side in the midst of something that was quite unbelievable, uh, taking care of his family. But there's another Joseph too, Joseph of Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea. And his story is probably just as overlooked as some of the other stories we've been looking at in our bold and untold sermon series. So far, we've looked at Shifra and Pua, the, the Israelite midwives who helped bring forth life, uh, allowing babies to, to live, even in the face of Pharaoh's um, policies of, of death. We've looked at Deborah, an important leader for the people of Israel, um, exhibiting great wisdom and leadership in a, a trying and difficult time for Israel. And we've looked at Amos, the shepherd prophet uh, who spoke truth to power, calling out those who were mistreating and oppressing the poor. Today, we look at the bold and untold story of this third lesser-known Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, and how he teaches us to be faithful even when we might be confused or uncertain about what God is doing. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You can actually find Joseph of Arimathea in all four Gospels, little, little um, tidbits about what he, what he does. We're going to be um, anchoring this in Mark, uh, chapter 15, beginning with verse 42. Listen now for God's word. Since it was late in the afternoon on preparation day, just before the Sabbath, Joseph from Arimathea dared to approach Pilate and ask for Jesus' body. Joseph was a prominent council member who was eagerly anticipated the coming of God's kingdom. Pilate wondered if Jesus was already dead. He called the centurion and asked him whether Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that Jesus was dead, Pilate gave the dead body to Joseph. He bought a linen cloth, took Jesus down from the cross, wrapped him in the cloth, and laid him in a tomb that had been carved out of rock. He rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was buried. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, are there really any more dramatic moments to enter into a story in Scripture? I mean, think about it. Joseph entered the scene right after Jesus' death. The Jewish leaders, including the council of which Joseph was a part, had condemned Jesus to die like a common criminal. He was hung on a cross there. He was mocked as, as king, the one who had promised so much, dead. The one who said that he was ushering in and bringing forth God's kingdom, defeated. It was devastating and it was confusing for Jesus' disciples. They fled. From the horror. Is this how it would end? 
was all the faith and the hope and the trust of those who followed Jesus in vain? All the teaching and all the signs and all of the the miracles and all the wonders and then this? How, How could the Messiah die? How could the Son of God die? Why did God allow this to happen? I mean, can you imagine the confusion, the uncertainty about what in the world God was up to? Why? But there was at least one person who did not run away from the confusion and the horror of the cross and Jesus' death. Apparently, he went toward it. We're given a fairly good picture of Joseph of Arimathea from pieces of all four Gospels. He was wealthy. He was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin or the Jewish council, which was a powerful religious and judicial court. He was a secret follower of Jesus. He did not apparently go along with the rest of the council's decision uh, to have Jesus crucified. We're told in Mark that he was a good and righteous man and that he eagerly uh, anticipated the coming of God's kingdom. That likely means that he hoped for that promised day when God would once again rule in the midst of Israel and establish peace and justice once and for all. And so he must have lived his life accordingly, being obedient to God, exhibiting goodness. But that doesn't mean that he too wasn't devastated, confused, uncertain. We can only assume the same Hard questions were swirling in his mind, too. What is going on, God? Why did this happen? What what now? How is this related to your coming kingdom? Like everyone else, he did not understand what God was doing. He couldn't see the future. He could not know that the worst thing that had happened would turn into the best thing that happened. There was no angel to give him a word. There was no special revelation or secret insight that he received to help him process or understand the cross or to give him certainty or confidence about God's next move. No, in in that moment for Joseph too, all seemed like it was lost. There was so much ambiguity, so much he didn't understand, so many whys. And yet... And yet, despite the confusion and the fear and the uncertainty and the lack of clarity of the moment, Joseph did something remarkable. He went to Pilate, the powerful Roman governor who had given his okay final execution order, and he asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And I love that the CEB version that we read said, he dared to ask, he dared to approach Pilate and ask. And once Pilate verified that Jesus was completely dead, he let Joseph take the body, and Joseph bought a linen cloth. He took Jesus down from the cross. He he wrapped him in the cloth, and he laid him in a tomb that had been carved out of rock. And Matthew's gospel tells us that it was Joseph's own tomb. Then he rolls a stone across. Such a powerful witness. Joseph may have been a secret disciple of Jesus before, but not anymore. Not anymore. He shows his devotion to Jesus in a profoundly tender, public, bold way. While the rest of of Jesus' disciples were were gone, 
Joseph, the one who was a member of the most powerful, important Jewish political, social, religious institution in the land with so much to lose, with with so much on the line, takes care of Jesus' dead body. I mean, just think about it. If you're asking for the dead body of someone who was executed like a criminal on a cross, you're making a very, very public declaration of love. I mean, in many cases, bodies were just left up there to be pecked at by vultures or let the elements do their job. And then whatever was left, the Roman servants would just toss into the Valley of Hinnom along with all the other uh, bodies of, that people of the day considered rabble. But ancient Jews had tremendous respect for the human body. They buried the bodies of Jewish people even if someone had been convicted of a crime. And leaving a body hanging on a tree overnight was a violation of Torah law. Joseph must have known this. He was a good and a righteous man, remember? And he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. Can you imagine the logistics of trying to get Jesus down off of a cross? Joseph may have even had to get up there himself to help get Jesus' body down. He loved his Lord too much to allow his body to just rot on the cross or be tossed with the remains of other criminals into some garbage dump. No, he wrapped Jesus' body. He cared for it. He placed it in his own tomb. Just remarkable boldness and faithfulness. You know, Joseph, Joseph could have said, God, if I, if I just knew with more certainty like what was going to happen next, then I could do something. If He could have said, God, I just need more information to, to figure out what you're doing here. That, like that would be helpful for me to be bold and faithful. He could have sat and waited for a clarity that would have never come and missed his chance to be faithful despite the uncertainty. He could have been paralyzed by the why. Joseph was not faithful or courageous because he knew with certainty what God was up to. No, certainty and clarity were not prerequisites for him doing what was good and right, for expressing his devotion and his trust in God. God's character and God's faithfulness were enough for him. Love for Jesus, no matter what, was enough for him. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in places like Joseph. Something happens and we're confused. We're devastated. The picture is not clear. We don't understand what God could possibly be up to. We find ourselves asking a lot of why questions. Before we take our next step, we we want more clarity. We want more certainty. We want more information. We want a vivid sign or word from God. It can lead us being paralyzed or, or not doing the next right thing, taking the next small step in faithfulness. That was totally me when I first uh, felt like God was, when I first was sensing a call to, to ministry because the path seemed really unclear to me. I'm like, God, I need more information. I need you to connect more of the dots here. I didn't have a good grasp or understanding of what saying yes to that call would look like. I didn't have enough details to say yes, to take the next steps of obedience then and there, so I ignored it, or I tried to for a while. Clearly, that didn't work out. But it's like we say, 
ah, I might be willing to do this, God, but I, I need more clarity. I, I need to not be confused. I need the fog to go away first. It's too ambiguous right now, God. I need my questions answered in black and white ways. God, if you would just show me your will, just, just show me your will. I, I need certainty. I need guarantees. If I only knew why I had to lose my job, why this beloved friend died too early, why I had to experience that suffering, why this relationship had to end this way, why my dream came crashing down, why the future is not clearer. If I only knew, had the insight, then I'd go, and then I'd do, and then I'd say, right? It's very easy to believe that we would have courage and peace and and be obedient and faithful if we could only see and understand more clearly what God was up to. Yet Joseph, and yet Joseph shows us what it is to be bold and faithful even without all the details and answers. We all experience the moments where there's so much gray when stuff doesn't make sense. And it's easy to hesitate and wonder about God's presence and power, God's goodness and love. And we can pretty easily make knowing something that might not be possible to know completely a requirement for trusting God and taking the next step. The truth is, even with all the biblical and theological insight in the world, there's always going to be a mystery. There is always going to be ambiguity. There is always going to be uncertainty. There is always going to be gray confusion in our lives. But Joseph shows us certainty and and clarity, excuse me, is not the fuel for faithfulness and courage when it comes to living our lives for God. We do the next good thing because we trust in God's unchanging character, in God's unwavering faithfulness, no matter what. We love God and serve God even though dot, dot, dot. We honor honor Jesus and see what happens next by doing the next right thing. You know, it's really, even though I have kids and we listen to Disney music all the time, (laughs) it's not often that Disney songs just come to mind when crafting a sermon. But Joseph's witness this week reminded me of a song from Frozen 2. At the the darkest moment of the film, Anna is faced with uncertainty uh, about what to do next after apparently, she believes, losing both her beloved sister, Elsa, as well as Olaf, a snowman created by Elsa's magic. And so, in one of the more gloomy moments of the film, she sings honestly this. I've seen dark before, but not like this. This is cold, this is empty, this is numb. The life I knew is over, the lights are out. Hello, darkness, I'm ready to succumb. I follow you around, I always have, but you've gone to a place I cannot find. This grief has a gravity, it pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, you're lost, hope is gone, but you must go on and do the next right thing. Can there be a day beyond this night? 
I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. I'm all alone. The only star that guided me was you. How to rise from the floor? But it's not you I'm rising for. Just do the next right thing. Take a step, step again. It's all I can do to do the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step, this next choice is the one I can make. So I'll walk through this night stumbling blindly toward the light and do the next right thing. And with it done, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. Sorry, I didn't sing it. I don't, I, I, I don't have to go my, my, my high voice this morning. And do the next right thing. Isn't that exactly what Joseph does? With the death of Jesus right in front of him, literally, darkness, fear, confusion, chaos, uncertainty, Joseph does the next right thing. Maybe that's how bold faithfulness begins for us too. When we find ourselves in uncertain ambiguity, just make the choice to do the next right thing. The next small step of trust and obedience to God. Joseph didn't know that his gesture of closure would actually be God's prelude to resurrection. He didn't know that his tomb would be known not as Jesus' final resting place, but as a symbol for God's total and complete victory over sin and death and evil. He didn't know that the stone he rolled in front to protect protect Jesus' dead body would soon be rolled away. He didn't know that generations upon generations of Jesus' followers would rejoice at his empty tomb. He didn't know that this simple, decent, good, compassionate act of placing Jesus' body in a tomb would be the scene of the most transformative, dramatic act in human history. But he acted anyway. And look what God did. Friends, we'll, we'll never know what the next small step of trust will prove to be for or to mean for us or others. We may not know all the details, have it all figured out, but we know who we serve. And if what happens next in the Gospels is any indication, God might just do something amazing with our next right thing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.